And this morning we are looking at a man named David. David is, is maybe my favorite of all of the Bible characters. Now I know I say over and over, he's my favorite character. But, but David is a guy that, that gives me hope. You know, David was a guy that, that God said was a man after his own heart. And yet, man, David messes up a lot. And you're going to, in your reading over the next couple of weeks in the story, you're going to find out David messes up. And yet David is still a man that is passionate about his relationship with God. So here in, in, in the chapter that you're going to be reading this week and in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we get our first glimpse of this man named David. Now, if you remember from, you know, from your reading this week, and, and I hope you've been reading and keeping up and understanding and this journey through the Bible that, that we're experiencing together. But this last week, you read about a man named Saul. You know, the children of Israel have been, you know, they desired a king. They wanted what everybody around them had that was a king. And so God said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. He anoints the man that looks like Job. He's a big, tall guy. His name is Saul. And so God anoints Saul as king. But it doesn't take very long for Saul to begin to to become full of himself and desiring his own will, even though God had anointed him and God had put him in in that place. It didn't take long for Saul to, to go his own way. And in, and in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says, The word of the Lord came to Saul. He says, I am grieved that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. So God came to Samuel and said, Samuel, this isn't working out. He's not following what I'm asking him to do. And it says that Samuel was very troubled and cried out to the Lord because, you know, Samuel had spent a lot of time teaching and training and mentoring Saul. And yet Saul had gone his his own way. And so so Samuel has the task basically of, of firing Saul. And so we see Samuel going to Saul and basically firing him. But Saul had no intention of of relinquishing the throne to anybody else because he was about his own thing. Not only is Samuel given the responsibility of firing Saul, he's also given the responsibility of going and finding the next king. And he's not very excited about it. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 2, Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice before the Lord. So, so Saul, so Samuel takes this long journey to a little town of Bethlehem. Because God says, that's where the next king is going to be. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem, and when he gets to Bethlehem, he goes to a man named Jesse's house. Because he knew that is where the next king would be found. And and so Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse lines up 
his seven boys and and saw, Samuel begins to look at these seven boys and and the first one comes he's a big tall guy and Samuel thinks this is it this is my man and and the Lord said Samuel you know don't look at the outward appearance of this guy He's not my man. I want you to look at the heart because you see, man looks at the outside, but, but, but God, God looks at the heart of the man. And so one by one, um, Jesse's boys come up and Samuel looks at him and God says, no, it's not him. Looks at the next one. No, it's not him. And we get to the end of these guys and Samuel says, you got any more boys anywhere? And Jesse says, well, you know, a matter of fact, we do have one, the youngest one. He's out in the field. He's tending the sheep. Why, somebody needs to go and get him. And so somebody goes out, gets this, this it says, a, a ruddy, good-looking young man and, and brings David back. Samuel looks at David and God says, there's my man. There's my man. And it says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And says, from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now, I want you to imagine this scene. So seven brothers, all older than David, had just been denied. God had looked at them. Samuel had looked and said, no, not him, not him, not him, not him. And then in comes this little, the youngest of the boys who was probably smelly and sweaty because he had been tending sheet. Samuel looks at him, pulls out his flask, pours oil over him, anoints him. And then he turns around and walks away. And imagine the family, the boys and Jesse, all watching Samuel walk away, walking into the distance. And there David is with oil on his head, dripping down, wondering what just happened. And everybody sits and quietly watches Samuel walk away. And David had just been anointed king. Now, nobody else saw any potential in David. But but we have to look at God's view of David. Remember, God said, I look at the heart. I look at what's inside. And I believe when God looked at David out there in that shepherd's field, he saw a man of God or a boy of God. He saw somebody that was passionately in love with him, who was pursuing relationship. God looked at David and saw a great man. God looked at David and saw a man that cared very um, much about the job that he did, about, about the lowly sheep that he was watching. He saw a man that protected and rescued sheep when nobody else was watching. He saw a man after his own heart. Others didn't see that potential in David. 
Because when you look at, at, at what man's view was of David, it wasn't very good. You look at what his mother and his father thought because, you know, in Psalm 27, David wrote these words. He says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You know, do you find it strange that Jesse didn't even call David in when Samuel came to, to anoint the next king? Because Jesse saw no potential in David. Jesse um, didn't realize who David was. But Jesse, even his own father, didn't see what God saw. You know, Jesse's brothers didn't see what God saw. You know, a little bit later, in uh, when 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 uh, the encounter happens with with uh, with Goliath, when David came to visit his brothers out on the field, his oldest brother responded. He said, "Why have you come here?" This is in First Samuel chapter chapter seventeen, verse twenty-eight. He says, "Why did you come down here? And to whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert?" Basically saying, David, you barely have any sheep to watch. You know, you're not very responsible. Why did you even come down here? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch this battle, to be a gawker. And then David responded, what have I ever done? Can I even speak? So we see that David's parents, I don't think, thought that he was the man for the job. And David's brothers obviously didn't think he was the man for the job. Nobody saw potential in David except God himself. God saw that he was a man after his own heart. And, you know, David never, what, what I find interesting is, is David never gets discouraged by what other people think. You know, David is never discouraged because he's the only guy out there watching sheep when everybody else is back at the house having a party with Samuel. David is never discouraged when his brothers says, why are you here? There is a, there is a quiet confidence in this boy named David. There's a confidence that he has. That in spite of what other people thought, David was confident. And that confidence that David had, I believe, came from his relationship with a living God. So how did David develop as a man after God's own heart? How do you become a man after God's own heart? Well, I believe when you, when you look at David's life, I think the first thing, the, the way that David became passionate about God, the way that he developed a heart for God was, was in solitude. Remember, David spent many, many, many days out in the shepherd's fields tending those few sheep that his brother talked about. And I imagine that, that while you're out there, and, and I know when we were in Israel, and some of you have been there, the shepherd's field, there's nothing exciting. It's basically rocks. And then a few bushes here and there, and then some more rocks. 
There's really nothing exciting to do. There's no good places to eat. There's no good places to go, fun places to go for entertainment. It was just him and the sheep and the rocks. And so David had lots of time out there to think, to meditate on God. And it's, I believe, in those times of of solitude and meditation that David developed a heart for God. David became, God became David's companion. God became David's audience. And God desires the same thing for, for us. If we want to become men and women after God's own heart, it requires time alone with God. You know, when we read the Psalms, most of the Psalms that David wrote were written when he was all by himself meditating on the heart of God and on who God was. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were completely alone? By yourself, in the quiet, meditating on God. Quiet is something that really makes us uncomfortable. Solitude is something that that, that makes us really, really uncomfortable. If I would say, okay, we're going to spend 10 minutes being quiet right now, I guarantee you 80% of you would become fidgety after one minute. Because we have been so conditioned with with, um, being around people and with having noise and having music, having the internet on, doing this and doing that, that quiet is something that drives us crazy. And yet it is in that solitude and in that quiet that we get to know the very heart of God. And it is in those moments that I believe David got to know the heart of God. It is in those moments that David penned much of what we read in his Psalms. It was in solitude. And it was in that solitude that God developed the man that would become king of Israel. Now, this morning, you see the title is From Shepherd to King. But I'm focusing more on the shepherd part because I believe it was in the shepherd part of David's life when he developed the character to become king. Where he got the foundation and the strength to be king and to face all the things that that he would eventually face. Solitude molds people into gentle and caring persons. And, in, and quietness convicts us of our sin. You know, in Psalm 46, verse 10, David wrote, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 65, verse, Psalm 62, verse 5 says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. When was the last time you rested in the Lord? When you genuinely were quiet. Because that's what makes us into men and women that desire to be like him.
That is what transforms our minds. Is that solitude, that quietness, that stillness. And I believe it is in that solitude that David developed a servant's heart. That's where his servanthood came from. You know, um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. It says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when, we, when our minds are renewed, then it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's how we learn how to serve. That's how we know where to serve, is by being still and having our minds transformed into what He wants us to be. You know, I hear so many people saying, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. What does God want me to do with my life? My question is, when have you taken time to sit and ask God that question? You know, I think so often we go, we read books and we talk to people, we ask them, what do you think God's will is for my life? When God is just sitting there saying, just ask me. Come and sit before me and listen, I will tell you. But it was out of David's solitude that he understood what, 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 it, what it meant to be a servant. Because David knew what God's will would be. You see, David's relationship with God inspired him to action. I believe so often why we're not inspired to do anything or we, we, we don't do anything is because we're not hearing God. In Psalm 1, verse 2, David says, his delight, speaking of a godly man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, he reads, he reads the scripture and then he meditates, he thinks in quiet, what is God saying? What is God's desire? What am I to do? He says, that man that, that meditates on God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever it does, it prospers. So David's saying, look, when, when, when you meditate on his word, you will be fruitful. You will be effective. You will be a willing worker, servant of God. But that solitude not only created servanthood, but it also, David, through that solitude, became a man of integrity. The greatest thing that any person can have is integrity. Psalm 78 verse 2 says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. There again, I believe it was that foundation that was laid in the shepherd's field that made David a man of integrity. And the only way that we can be men and women of integrity is if we spend time in quiet before God. Because how can you know what integrity is? 
if you don't read the word which shows us what it means to be men and women of integrity. You know, integrity is, is, is when, a, when a person's heart is tested. Integrity is what we do when nobody else is watching. You know, David repeatedly risked his life to save his sheep from bears and lions when nobody else was watching. And still God was his audience. And David has a deep desire to please God even when nobody else is watching. Let me ask you, and I ask myself, you know, is that my desire? Do I desire to please God even when nobody is watching? Am I willing to serve and, and, and to, to do work when nobody is watching? You know, so often we're, we're tempted to, we, we do work and then we look around and say, does anybody notice what I'm doing? Does anybody notice that I'm a, that I'm a good person? When really the only thing that matters is, does God see? He is my audience. He is the only audience that I need to be worried about. He is the only audience that David was worried about. You know, David in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Now, do you feel comfortable in quiet, sitting before the Lord saying, Lord, search me. Lord, know my heart. Know all the the bad stuff that's in there and clean it out. And when was the last time I said... That I came before the Lord and said, Lord, search me. Know my heart. Is there anything in there that I need to clean out? That's what produces men and women of integrity. That's what produces kings that lead effectively. You know, David... He was a man that I desired to be like, and yet am I willing to make the sacrifice? You know, Saul, Saul looked the part. He was big and tall and handsome, but it was David that ultimately had the heart. You know, am I more like Saul, who desires to be seen and to do my own thing, or am I more like David? Are you like Saul or are you like David? You see, faithfulness to God in the present allows him to shape your heart for the future. See, so many people that I know, they want to do great things for God, but they, but they don't want to be faithful in, in the present. They, they have their whole lives, they live in the future wanting to do great things, saving, saving orphans and widows, and those are all great things. And yet, what are you doing in the present To make a difference. What are you doing here and now. To serve the Lord. Because it's the things that you do. In the here and the now. That prepare you for the future. It's the things that you do today. 
that will allow you to do great things for God tomorrow. Because you never know that, that the little thing that you're, be, you're doing today may be the great thing that God is asking you to do. You see, the reason David was great was because he was willing to do the little things. He was willing to be faithful in the little things. Are you faithful in the little things? Are you waiting on that one big thing in the future? Because if you are, that big thing's never going to come. Because the Lord says, you're not even doing the little things. Why would I give you something big to do? The things that you do today are what's preparing you for the future. What are you doing today? And I believe all of this preparation... The solitude that David was in for, for those many years as a young man. It was, it was that solitude that created the servanthood and the integrity that, that gave David the courage in the face of the giants in his life. You see, it was all of that time that David spent over here in the shepherd's fields that prepared him for that encounter with the giant over here. And that would prepare him for many, many giants in his life. I believe Goliath was maybe one of the smaller obstacles in David's life. When you read about the hard things that that David went through in his life, Goliath seems like a pretty easy fix. I mean, just go, and it was all over. But David had Absalom to deal with his son. That was, a, that was a giant in his life. Saul, you'll see, was a, was a giant desiring to destroy David's life. And so, so David had all of these giants in his life that were coming at him. And yet, because of David's training, because of what David had been through, he was able to face each challenge with much faith. You know, David became maybe the greatest leader in all of Israel's history. David brought not just national renewal, but he brought spiritual revival to the nation of Israel. But David became the great man that he was in the shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem. David was, was, was able to, to face his giants because of the training that he had. Because of all that groundwork that was laid. Because of his faithfulness in the little things. That's what gave David the ability to face those giants. Because of the training. And, and you see that nowhere more clearly, I think, than maybe in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. When, when David... You know, he's, he's having this encounter, you know, the Goliath has come, you know, all of these tough um, Israeli soldiers were, they, would, they, would, they were scared to death of Goliath. And yet here comes this little shepherd boy and, and, and he, he is willing to go because of the training that, that he's had. In 1 Samuel chapter um, 17, verse 32, then he said, Saul said, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servants will go and fight him. But David said, I'll go take care of him. 
Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight. You are only a boy. And he's been fighting men from his youth. So David says, but your servant, he's been in training. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Now there is a man killing bears and lions as a boy. That was the training that David had. And then David said, your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, look, these, the, this guy is nothing. And he has, he has come against our God. You should take offense to that. David also trusted God. He trusted God that that he would go with him to fight the Philistine. Because he had been through this training. He trusted God completely with his life. David says in verse 37, he says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so David, in your story this week, you'll read about how David goes and, 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 he, and he fights against the Philistine, and it's not even a close match. I mean, one whip of the stone and the guy's down. He cuts his head off and takes it to the king and says, here you go. Because David trusted God. He knew that his God was greater than, than this little Philistine giant. And the reason David trusted God and not this Philistine was because of of his training, because of the solitude, because he knew God. David overcame the giants in his life because of the foundation that had been laid when he was still before the Lord. And if you are going to face the giants in your life, and there will be giants in your life, there will be cancer, there will be loss of loved one, there will be those people that are, are sort of hard to deal with at the place where you work. There will be wayward children. There will be pain. There will be those giants in your life, but, and they won't be easy. And yet, when you have that foundation of, of relationship with the Lord, you will be able to face those giants just like David was. But if you don't have that foundation, you will be just like Saul was, who will melt in the face of hard times and danger. And Psalm 23 is a psalm that everybody knows. Many of you can, can quote it from memory. But as I was looking at Psalm 23, and nobody's really sure when David wrote Psalm 23. 
But I would imagine this was sometime, this is just my, my imagination or my thought, sometime later in David's life as he looked back on where he had come from, as he reminisced on, on the shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem, and as he thought about the battle with Goliath and, 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 and his, his battle with, with, with Saul and, and, and Absalom and, and all that went on in his life in the shaping of this nation, I believe David sat down one day and, and wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. David understood that, that God was his shepherd, that the Lord was always there. And when the Lord, his great shepherd, was there, he needed nothing else. And he wrote, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. And I know maybe David remembered those days when, when he was able to sit in those quiet places and meditate on God. To be still and to be nurtured by God himself in those moments. And, and in those moments, and he says, he restores my soul. You see, if we want him to restore, if we want the great shepherd to restore our souls, it takes those times to lie still in the green pastures and, 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 and to sit beside the quiet waters. It's in those moments that he restores our soul. And David goes on, he says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. David remembered those days. When he walked through those valleys. When he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And he knew that his shepherd was with him. And I don't know what valley you're walking through, but if you know Jesus and you have a relationship, he is there walking with you. And you fear no evil. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows it's in those moments when we know that the lord is with us that our enemies can't defeat us that our cup runs over with him and he says surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever David understood that this journey with God would take him through the valley of the shadow of death. But this, this journey that he's on with God would last for all of eternity because his hope was in his maker. And in those quiet times, God reminded him that he was an eternal God that would be with him forever and ever. Do you know the God that David knows? And do you know him as intimately as David knew him? 
And if you desire to know him the way that David knew him, then you need to spend time with him. Time in his presence. Time soaking him in. Allowing him to speak to you. Allowing him to change you. But it takes those pastors and still waters to allow him to restore that soul that gets so desperately thirsty and hungry. So this week, as you're, as you're preparing yourself, as you're reading, take time to be quiet. You know, before you open your tablet or your laptop or your phone in the morning when you get up, take time to be still. Because if you are still, he will restore. And that's my prayer for you this week. That's my prayer for me, is that that as I am quiet, I would be restored. Stand with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for the green pastures and the quiet waters that, that you take us to to restore our souls. I pray, Father, that we would become men and women like David that would know the heart of, that would know your heart. Lord, that we would allow you to restore us. Father, just I pray for this body of believers today that we would take time to hear. And Lord, you would speak and we would listen. And Lord, as, as we face the giants in our lives, the battles in our lives, the things that we find ourselves in, then Lord, you would give us the strength to walk through them because we know that you are there walking with us. Father, may we, may we enjoy you this week. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.